All right, so we continue with this series called The Highest. Uh, Christ is above all things. And we've been in this series for, I think, four weeks now, and this is going into week five. And we've just been going with the book of Colossians and, and seeing how God, you know, through Paul, wrote to the, book of the, the church in Colossae and, and what he had to speak to them about. And we're looking at how it can be applied to our lives and, and our culture and, and our church here uh, today. And so we'll be in Colossians. You've heard the reading of God's Word this morning in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. And that's where we'll be today. Um, but how many of you grew up with different pets? Show of hands. Uh, so a lot, a lot of pet lovers, I'm sure, in, in the house today. I grew up with some dogs, and I'm a dog uh, lover. Like, I love dogs. Like, Dogs and me get together, and we're, we're one, you know, we're just uh, good, you know, I, I take care of my dog, Nala, and, you know, he, she is my best friend, you know, so to speak. Now, cats on the other thing, uh, me and cats just don't go together, all right? There's people that are cat lovers, and I appreciate you, okay? I just, they just don't go well with me, uh, and I had several growing up, uh, dogs and cats, also had fish, had goats, had turtles, had crabs, all different kinds of, of animals. And some were good, some were not so good. Some uh, fared well with, with me, and uh, some didn't make it very long, um, sadly. <laughs> One of the craziest pets, though, that I ever had was a hamster. Anybody had a hamster growing up? Those things are crazy. Like my, my, uh, across the street, my cousin and my uncle and my aunt, they had a, a gerbil, you know, and, and gerbils were, were just different, right? Um, guinea pigs were different, but you talk about hamsters. Hamsters were just, they were just some, a different kind of pet. And maybe your hamster was, was great, mine was not so great, let me tell you a little bit about a hamster. I think hamsters, you know, kind of feel trapped. They feel like they, uh, you know, kind of have just kind of a humdrum drum type of lifestyle. You know, they have brief moments of excitement, which is whenever they go and they get in the little wheel and they spin around and then they go and they eat and they sleep, right? And if you had a special cage, you might have different tunnels that they go on, but they were pretty much trapped. So I had this one hamster. I can't even remember his name because he had a nickname that was given to him as Devil. <laughs> uh, my mom did not like him because many times we would wake up in the morning, I'd look over at the cage, and he would be gone. And I'm like, where did he go? And we would hear, we would listen really close, and every time we would find him in my sister's closet have no clue what was in my sister's closet, but he liked my sister's closet, which was the room next door to mine. But I remember uh, one day we were, we had, okay, we figured out what was going on, how he was getting out, how he, you know, had crawling up the cage, which it was crazy that he would even be able to crawl up this cage, but somehow he did, and he got out of the little opening on the top of the cage. So we get this idea, we're going to put this really, really large book on top of it we're going to put a big shoe on top of it to weigh it down 
He's not going to get out this time. So the next morning, I look over the cage. It's not there. Where in the world is he? I look. There's a hole through the book. There's a hole through the shoe. He had crawling out, and he was, you guessed it, he was at my, uh, or in my sister's closet once again. Now, I think that my mom gave him the name of Devil because, well, that book that he uh, chewed through was a family Bible. Yeah, uh, it was the heaviest book that we had in the house. And uh, so, yeah, um, <laughs> he lived by that name, I think. And uh, anyway, he was given out to, the, to explore in the wilderness after that day because my, my mom had had enough. And I joked with her because I called her up this week. I said, do you know the name of that, that animal? I was like, I don't, I, I don't know. She said, I, don't, I know his nickname. I don't know his real name. And we joked because it was kind of like my mom was, you know, sending out the, the goat, so to speak, like in the Old Testament, out in the wilderness, um, you know, as a sacrifice. <laughs> uh, but I don't know about you this morning, if you have ever felt trapped, kind of like a hamster, so to speak, ever felt trapped, not going anywhere, maybe kind of like life is a treadmill, where you're just going, 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 but not going anywhere. Um, maybe it's you have a frustration out of lack of accomplishment or, or purpose in life or meaning in life. Maybe you feel trapped in a job or, or a relationship or some obligation or life or religion. Some of us feel this way. Others may not. Others may enjoy going through a trap. I mean, there's... There is escape rooms where people actually pay money to be trapped in a room and figure out how to get out of this room, which I'm not knocking that, don't get me wrong, because I think that it's really good for team building skills if a team can work together to get out of this room. So some people actually like to be trapped. You got um, people who like magic and getting out of boxes and those type of challenges and things like that. But many of us find ourselves trapped where we can't figure out how to get out. Today we're going to look at how not to be trapped. Over the last couple of weeks, we've discovered that the Colossian church were dealing with different types of things. One of those things was this false teaching that was creeping in to the Colossian church. And this was a young church, a young Gentile church, and they were hearing all these different things being fed into their ear, and they were starting to believe it. You know, the teaching about Jesus not being the top, not being the highest. Teaching of, of angels being actually higher than Jesus Christ. Teaching about different disciplines that you have to have to truly be right with God. And they were starting to creep into the church of Colossae. That Jesus wasn't supreme, that Jesus didn't have it all together, that everything wasn't created and, and sustained for him and through him. But we see that Paul addresses this teaching throughout the book of Colossians. We've talked about how we are to take off our old self and put on our new self that is in Jesus Christ. Our old self is this sinfulness the sinful behavior, the flesh, this darkness, the living in the kingdom of darkness. But through Jesus Christ, He gives us a new self. He makes us new. 
He lives in us, and in Jesus there is light, and we enter into His kingdom, the kingdom of the beloved Son. When we put on our new selves, we have this new understanding, this new responsibility to who we are in Christ Jesus. We are free. But see, the Colossian church was free, but yet they were being challenged to not be free. There was people that was bringing things into the church, the body of believers, and, and challenging them with, well, you got to do this, you got to do that, you have to keep this type thing and this type thing. You have to do all these different things and don't do all these different things. And they were being challenged with their freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. They were challenged with this old system, this old system of belief. In the Colossian church, and even nowadays, we see people stuck in the old system. It's not about the old system. Jesus Christ came and died for us, not for the old system. Not so that we can live according to the old system. But know that we can now be in right relationship with the Father. That we can be called sons and daughters of the Most High. Not only... Was this a Jewish system? The old laws and and keeping up with all these laws and and this and that. Things that you should do and things that you shouldn't do. All these types of religious systems that was placed on them. But it was also this thinking that the Gentiles actually uh, heard as well. You know, you got the Jewish believers, you know, that were taught certain things. But even in the Gentile, in the nations, there was teachings. There was uh, certain systems that they were uh, born and raised in. And so there was people that came into this church, and they were starting to teach different types of systems. And Paul was addressing that it's not the systems that sets you free. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The gospel is about... Our internal being changed and then it reaching out. But seeing the old system and the old covenant and the old law, the old way of thinking was that if I change my outside, it will change my inside. But Jesus goes about it differently. He goes from the inside out. And so the trap that I'm talking to you about this morning is religion is a trap religion is a trap verse 16 you can look to that and see that we aren't to allow people to speak into our lives that focus on external instead of what's internal i have had to when i first became a believer like uh, there was certain things that i that jesus had to do in me and uh, take me out of and Uh, break relationships with because there was people that were trying to speak into my life and say well you need to do this and that because that's how you're saved but that wasn't it jesus was working on me from the inside out and religion tries to work from the outside in so faith by faith internal internally everything changes we are forgiven We are being made alive in Christ. It's Christ working in us, through us, and then out. Not the other way around. See, religion likes to put us into a trap. Religion likes to be about the things that you do and you don't do. 
In verse 21 it says, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. You know, we've talked about lists throughout the church. You know, we are from a church that sometimes we have been known for our lists that we create. Well, you got to do this. And, and then you go and you take and you go and compare it with another church that might be similar to us. And then they add to the list. And you're like, well, I like that better. Like, I'm going to add this to this list. And then you're like, well, they say, don't do this on this list. Well, hey, how about we take this and add that to that list? And before long, it's this huge, long list to live by. And you, became, you, you, you get taught that it's about living this list and not living in Jesus. The list can't save you. External obligations, so to speak, can't save you. The old system cannot save you. Being rooted in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is our salvation. So religion is a trap. Religion is living out a list. But see, we are in Christ. Cause of Christ, we become made new. Jesus on the cross reached out his arms and says, It is finished. It is finished. It is done. Past, present, and future. It is done. He continues to transform us from the inside out. See, in all this doing, this is the problem. In verse 19, it says, You are not holding fast to the head. And the head is Jesus Christ, who makes up the body, who gives function to the body. See, when we begin living out lists and things like that, that religion teaches and traps us in, we are no longer holding fast to the head. We are walking out and being a body that is functioning without a head because Jesus Christ wants to change you from the inside out burn the list get rid of the list the list can't save you now is there things that through Jesus Christ that it transforms you from the inside out and it makes you do and don't do certain things absolutely but don't just come at people with a list and say this is how you get saved no, Jesus Christ. Point them to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer. Basically, Paul was saying this. Your faith can't grow unless it's fixated on Christ. Unless it holds fast to Christ. Don't get sidetracked with the shadow, with the temporary, with the, with the copy, with the dim reflection of the ultimate reality. Get fixed on the ultimate reality. Get fixed on the ultimate point of uh, reference. Get fixed on Jesus Christ. See, religion likes to trap you into thinking that there are multiple ways. There are not two ways of salvation. There's only one. There's one, and the way is Jesus Christ, who is the substance, who is the way, who is the truth, and who is the life. There's not a gospel for Jews. There's not a gospel just for the Gentiles. It is a gospel that is found in Jesus Christ. And so today I want to just kind of 
pause and, and think through a certain teaching that I've, I've taught here in uh, Bible studies, and I, I, I really try to walk people through. See that there's this way of life that is in Jesus Christ. And you look in throughout scriptures, uh, you see, especially the Pharisees, the teacher of the law, they lived what I will call they were doing, which they were trying to get to their being. And so if you could put that on the screen, do is the first, and then be is the second. They were trying to do things just right. They were trying to do all the laws, do everything right. In the church world, we tend to say, okay, if I can just do it all right, I will be okay. Jesus will see me and see all the things that I'm doing and I'll be okay. And then I will be in right relationship with the Father. There is not a single thing that you can do to get right with the Father. Actually, in Scripture, it says that your best effort is filthy rags. Doing, leading to being, is none at all. See, our doing can never lead to our being. We are, through Jesus Christ, we are brought into right relationship with Christ. And so, do be literally is a burn up life because you can never get to heaven this way and then leads to the next one which is bb a lot of people get fixated on b if i can just be in christ right that's that sounds really great like it is that is so much truth right but if you focus just on b and never lead to doing anything in life it's like this you think of bb it's like this What is a BB? If I held a BB, you wouldn't be able to see it, right? It's a little small sphere. It's a chunk of metal that has been formed into a round ball. Why do we call it a BB? Why don't we just call it a metal sphere? The reason why we call it a BB is because of the gun that it goes in. See, whenever we become like Christ, when Christ, Christ lives in us, we are made in right relationship with God. And that doesn't mean that we just sit around in our pews and do absolutely nothing. We actually are bought with a price, and because of that, we want to go out and tell other people about Christ. And so it should lead us to doing. But yet so many times I see people say, well, it's all about just being like Christ. It's just about being in Christ. And it sounds really good. But it should lead to something. It should lead to fruit. It should lead to going and sharing it with other people. Which leads to the next one. And this is one that I see, especially in my generation and younger generations. We love to do things. We actually might even say that we're doing it for Christ. We like to practice justice, be about justice causes, and going out and doing things and helping the poor and, and you know, going out into uh, uh, unknown territory and, and doing all these great things. And that is great. Don't get me wrong. But our doing can't save us. And when we just focus on doing this, oh, it's just, oh, the, the gospel is just about doing this, just about justice and, and doing justice. That's it. You know what it is? You get burnt out. 
because you're not being fed by the source of justice. You're not being fed by the source of life. You're focused on doing, doing, and doing. And what it's going to do is your life is literally going to stink. It is going to stink because you think that you got it together, but you don't. Which leads to the thing that we need to focus on. And that is be do. Be do. Where we go to Christ and we, are, we find our identity in Christ and Christ alone. It's not just about the things that we do. It's not about keeping up with the religious system. It's not about anything but being found in Christ. In Christ, the hope of glory lives inside of us. And then, because of that, we want to go out and share the things of Christ. We want to go and evangelize the world. We want to do the things of Christ. Being leads to doing. We, through our relationship with Christ, through Christ Jesus, the shedding of his blood, we are brought into covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the being side of it. And because of Jesus, he sends us out into a world giving us power, giving us responsibility to go and to do the things of Christ. But see, we get caught up in the traps of religion. And all of the top three is the traps of religion. And I like to tell people when I go and walk through this, let's be, do, let's be be-doers and not doobie brothers. <laughs> That'll help you remember, right? <laughs> yeah, so religion can trap us into thinking that we're right by the things that we do. But may we find our relationship in Christ Jesus. Also another trap that I see in, in this passage as well, and one that I see around us in our church, is comparison. Comparing. Comparison is a trap. We tend to look at this self-made religion, like you read in verse 23. You know, where you see this appearance of wisdom, this self-made religion. But see, it's not knowing, you know, all the things that others know. Sure, learn as much as we can. We need to be teachable. We need to learn from other people. But let's don't fall for the trap of Satan and start comparing, well, I, I'm, I don't know what they know, or I don't have the faith that they have. Or, you know, when we begin to compare other people, be you. Christ designed you. Christ made you and formed you. And Christ wants to set you apart. And he wants to give you the knowledge and wisdom that only you need in your life. You can't live a life that I'm living. I can't live the life that you're living. Christ died for you. He died for me. And he gives us knowledge and wisdom. There was a phrase that I, I remember hearing, and it's this. Gather your cream wherever you can, but you better churn your own butter. <laughs> Gather your cream wherever you can, but you better churn your own butter. There's a phrase that I heard growing up as a child. Basically, it's saying you better not let your relationship with Christ be someone else's relationship with Christ. I tell young people especially that you can't, follow the, the relationship of your grandmother or mother or father. 
you better have your own relationship with Christ. Because you can't be saved because of, well, my grandpa had this relationship with, with, with Christ. No, you have to have your own relationship with Christ. Stop trying to go off the coattails of other people. Because you can miss heaven because of it. Yes, look at their life. See how, how God has blessed them, how He has been faithful in their life. But may it convict you and may it transform you from the inside out. And may you have your own personal relationship with Him. You can have fullness, which is found in Christ Jesus. For He is the head of the body and He supports the body. But we can't just go on comparing ourselves to one another. But see, the things that was going on in Colossians was that there was people that was coming into this, uh, this um, church, and they were saying all different kinds of things. And it made it, they had it, made it sound really good. They, they give this appearance of wisdom. And then people were starting to compare. Well, I'm not like that. They know all this type stuff. I'm not like that. Don't compare. Look at Jesus Christ. Make Him the center of your everything. He is your head, meaning that He is the brain. He is the source of life. He is the source of all wisdom and all knowledge. So sure, learn from other people. Maybe they say certain things and, and it challenges you. Sure, great. But go to Jesus Christ to make sure that it is credible teaching, that it makes sure it truly is wisdom that comes from the Father. Comparison is a trap. There's a story about two sons, two young sons living in the same neighborhood. They lived on the same street. They lived in different houses. They had different fathers. Both dads tell their child to go out one day and and mow their lawn. Anybody ever mowed a lawn before? Yeah, say, think about it in the heat of the day, in July or August, where your dad goes and says, go mow the lawn, please. So the dad up the street would always come out, and he would say to the son, this one son, well, you missed that part. Why didn't you get that right? You could have done this part better. Why did it take you so long? But see, there was a, the dad down the street, the child down the street. He was the one that would go out and he would start mowing the lawn in the middle of the heat of the day where he's sweating in the middle of the shade. He was into it. He was giving his best. In his mind... You would think that he was mowing the White House lawn. He was doing his very best. He was striping it like it was a golf course. It was beautiful. See, this son here that was down the road, he would do his best no matter what. He was doing his best because he was doing it for his dad. See, this father, he didn't come out and critique the work. He didn't come and and say, well, you should have done it this way or should have done it that way. He'd come out, and a lot of times he didn't even have to say a single thing. 
He would come out and would say, I love you, son. Thank you. But the thing is, is that son had already heard those words spoken into his life over and over again saying, I love you. I love you. I'm proud of you. You are beautiful. You do great things, and I thank you so much. But the thing is, is the difference between this father is one is a good father and one is a bad father. One is a father that does good things for his children. One is a father who truly loves and is a good, good father. And see, the the son can go out there and do awful. He can mow and scalp that lawn, and that father would still come and be with that son because the father loves the son. But see, the son was out there, and he was giving his best to his father, not because he can do his very best. He will try his very best, of course, but he was doing it because his father always loves him. His father is always there for him. His father has this relationship with his son. I don't know which son you are. Maybe you're the son that you had this idea of God the Father who is wanting you to just do, do, do and you have to do it perfect and you have to do it flawless and you have to do and live out this list of different things and do and and don't do and all this stuff. Or do you have a father who is like the heavenly father who came down for you, who died for you, who loves you, Even in the midst of your filthy rags of of doing, He still loves you. But it's out of that relationship that you are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and you are brought into covenant relationship. And you're willing to go out in the middle of the heat of the day and mow your father's lawn because He loves you. And you have a relationship with Him. And you know this is a part of I want to do my best for the Father and so today look at your own life are you doing and trying to get into right relationship with the Father or is your doing a response out of Jesus Christ what he did for you you being bought with his blood on the cross and you have been being brought into a relationship with the Father out of that relationship you go and you tell the world you go and you live out justice you go and you love your neighbor you go and you do the things of Christ in this world how is your relationship today are you living in the trap of religion or are you being found in Christ the hope of glory Jesus loves you father loves you he loves you so much that he sent his son who is Jesus Christ our Lord to die for you to raise from the dead to conquer the grave and to one day be given the name above all names that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord forever how is your relationship with the Father this morning. Maybe He's calling you. Maybe He's calling you out. If He is, 
this altar is open this morning. They're going to be singing today how deep the Father's love for you. And may you respond this morning.